We are proud to announce a new sponsor for this podcast, Augie's Locker Room. Augie's Locker Room, which is located less than a mile away from Notre Dame Stadium, was named the best Notre Dame's collectible shop in the country. This shop is amazing. If you are a passionate Notre Dame fan and are looking for that special Notre Dame piece to complete your rec room, Augie's is the place to go. They have a wide selection of Notre Dame stadium pieces, jerseys, helmets, autographs, and one-of-a-kind Rockney items. They have an exclusive Joe Montana signed items. If Augie's doesn't have it in store, he will find it for you. Visit AugiesLockerRoom.com or stop in at 1811 South Bend Avenue and see the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. AugiesLockerRoom.com or call 574-277-NDND. Hello, Notre Dame fans. Welcome into the Notre Dame football show from BlueAndGold.com. I am Ashton Pollard here today to talk a little Fall camp and some recruiting toward the end, but first I am joined as always by our recruiting insider, Mike Singer, as well as our football analyst, Tim Hyde. What is up, everyone? How are we? Mike, you can go first. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I remember telling my wife, I was like, oh, August is a dead period. I'm not really traveling a ton. It's been bad. Bat poop crazy this this month so far, but uh, thank yeah, you for censoring your language. Yeah, appreciate it. I, I often don't, but yeah, so it's doing all right. How are you doing, Tim? Well, I'm doing great. I mean, it's been exciting reading about camp. What's what's happening? It's uh, it's 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 interesting in that we haven't heard too much about the quarterbacks. So I think that's been the biggest thing. And and um, it seems like we've been talking about everything but the quarterbacks. But maybe that's because of. Freeman and Reese are hiding that from the media, it sounds like, out there. So we'll, uh, we'll, find, out. we'll find out in a couple of weeks in Columbus. Yeah, I so. think that's pretty accurate to say it's being hidden a little bit. There's uh, there's very little being given away from those two, as well as from the practice, the portions of practice, at least, that we were able to see. So um, before we dive in, make sure that you like the page, subscribe to this page. If you're listening back via podcast, obviously leave us a review and a rating um we'll start with our first segment that we always do mike what are you drinking tonight this whole bottle (laughs) the whole bottle i mean that's fair or or this glass i got this in uh key west West oh that's the southernmost point glass isn't it like that's the little so when i travel i always try to get a deck of cards and a whiskey glass from that place kind of cool Got the whiskey glass. And yeah, I'm going to finish this bottle. Thank you, Two Tigers, for the... I won't finish this bottle. Maybe. You might. We'll see. Check in with me in a little bit. We'll see what happens. Tim, how about you? I'm just going pure New England, just doing a little Sam Adams tonight. My Two Tigers is down on the counter down below. I'll do a little post-game celebration with that uh, later on. So There you go. I'm I'm not drinking, but I am drinking water out of this 2017 football schedule cup, which is kind of fun. Yeah, no, it, it was good. I'm looking at back at the yeah. schedule. I didn't really like put this together until I was sitting here and I was like, oh yeah, that is the schedule cut. But that's anyways, ten and three year. Believe so, yes. That's yep. the LSU, uh, the LSU bowl game there. Yes, it was. I was at that game. It was uh 54 and raining in Orlando, which is oh, was yeah. not ideal. My cousin came with me, who is not a Notre Dame fan. She's a Virginia Tech fan, but was like, I'll just go because like very least I can get a tan, and then it was 54 and raining, and she wore a parka, so times um i mean i had fun for obviously. virginia virginia tech's your favorite favorite yep. school a virginia tech fan really hope none of my virginia tech family is watching this right now 
<laughs> um, anyways, we're going to move along before I get into that rant. Um, all right. So other segment that we always start with is the best thing that we saw this week. If you are new to the show or the podcast, it's just something related to Notre Dame. It could be football. It could be something else. But um, Tim, I'll start with you. What was the best Notre Dame thing that you saw this week? Well, it's actually the, the video you guys posted today. I mean, there's been some great videos over the weekend and whatnot of a, a lot of great uh, watching a lot of the players. But today was just alignment. So it was nice to see some of the linemen in action, the O-line, D-line. And uh, about a few seconds, I mean, the, the one thing when I was watching this, and I just want everyone, you know, people always talk about Harry Heastan and the old lines that he's had at Notre Dame and whatnot. This play right there, but j- just go back a millisecond. The one thing about Harry is, his O-linemen are so low. It is, if you just pause it on, on the snap, that's Blake Fisher and Josh Legg. You guys, I mean, you've been around the mash in their practice. They're tall. Oh, they're and massive. They're, they're massive. <laughs> yeah, they they're are huge. so low. Their backs are flat. Look at Blake Fisher. Blake Fisher is not a little guy. And they are so low to the ground. And it's funny, I was message board with people last night. And, and I said, they're like a snake, just getting ready to coil out and attack you. They are so low, so wound up. It was just exciting to watch some uh, double team drills here. So I, uh, I got a kick out of that. And it's just, you know, getting ready, you know, one more day closer to getting ready for Columbus is this little line is going to get after it in that game. I'm expecting. Was that like, that was kind of a unintentional pun there. The kick out, you got a kick out of that, like a kick out block. Uh, I love it. I love it. There's Rocco. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was just nice watching these guys, but just the fundamentals that Harry has. I mean, they're, they're so low. It's night and day to what it's been the last few years. Just, just, watching the guys' stances. And, oh, uh, Tim with the subtle shot at Jeff Quinn. No no subtle shot. Just people always ask about the difference. Aggressive shot, not and, subtle. <laughs> but people always ask about the differences, and I think that's a big one. It starts with the stance. He has his guys so damn low. Excuse my French. Like, it's crazy. All right, Tim, I, I have a quick – oh, let me see. I want to – I'm sorry for podcast audience. This is more for, for those on YouTube. Tim, you see um, – Emil Wagner back there. Yes. What, what, what do you think about his frame so far? He just got to Notre Dame yes. a couple months ago. What, what have you thought about Emil Wagner so far? Man, me and you've talked about him a long time ago. Just like, I mean, he, I mean, he looks like a tight end out there with his athleticism watching his high school film. And yeah. I actually paused it and I was like, oh, there's Wagner. This dude, man, he is, you, when, when this guy hits 300 pounds, he's, he's, he's going to be ready to rock and roll here in about two years. Once those uh, two big bookends are gone. But, uh, he looks good. I mean, it, you know, I was talking about it, you know, can he pack on the weight? You just look at that frame, look at those arms. Yeah, he's going to pack it on with Matt Bayless here in the next couple of years. I, I, I'm i excited to watch the him play. All right. Sorry, Ashton. I hope we're not derailing. No, you you know how no you're good. Me. I was just going to say, um, Tim, I told you this, but I thought about you while making this video because – for those of you that don't know, we're allowed three minutes of video out of practices. And so, and typically we're only there for about 30 minutes through the first five periods. The first day we got to watch the whole thing, but we can only film through the first five periods. So it's primarily drills. So when I was putting this together earlier, I was kind of trying to figure out exactly what I wanted for my three minutes. And I was like, you know what? Notre Dame fans, there's nothing they love more than line play. And those are kind of the easiest drills to get, I would say, to film. They like look the cleanest usually so I was like I'm just gonna do all line and see what happens and it seemed to be a hit so 
We Maybe lost I'll do Tim, it for by the future. way. Tim's Tim's gone. Tim. Uh, oh yeah, where is Tim? I was I was like, why'd you pull why'd you pull Tim off? But he I literally know. fell off of the stream. Okay. <laughs> no, we'll we'll wait. We'll wait. Oh, there's Tim. Tim's back. There we go. Sorry, Tim sorry about that. Uh, I hit the wrong button, but uh, no, I I appreciate I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate the right. the video whatnot. All right, this is kind of turning into a segment. I haven't actually watched this yet. This is what I need. I just saw this. This this young man, Gabriel Rubio, wearing that face mask. That this is my favorite. He he just. He's up there now with Joe Alton, Steve Angeli now with, with Gabriel Rubio and his face mask. Quick side note, we haven't got a YouTube comment in a few minutes. Is, is Are we on, guys? Can you leave a drop a comment real quick if you're watching live? Uh, but yes, Gabriel Rubio, when I was in high school, we called that the dookie stick. I don't know why. We just called it a dookie stick. Like you just, when you when you have the, the, the bar going down the middle. Um, I feel like that would like hurt your eyes peripheral i mean i guess it's not peripheral because it's not the periphery but you know like the middle i don't know i, I just uh, like i'd be caught like crossing my eyes at it which but, well, i mean i've never played football so good good look at their number 65 that's chris smith the harvard transfer mm -hmm. and coaching him up there mike moon graduate assistant or analyst yep. it's hard to keep yeah. track and then on the right there you think that's kurt heinish no no it's donovan donovan heinish yeah the heinish brothers yeah Look at the posture, though, real quick of uh, Donovan. I mean, he's like a twin of his older brother. <laughs> they look alike. And uh, real yeah, quick on really the R, uh, Mike McGlinchey wore that at, uh, at ND. So he's rocking the, the bar down the face, which is some old school football there. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, all right. I can. I guess I can go next because mine's kind of related to fall camp. And then Mike, yours goes a little bit outside. So we'll save you for last if that works. Um Mine is just the fact that Avery Davis, the wide receiver, is back, and also the way that the coaches are talking about him. So I asked both Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese about kind of what Avery Davis, who if I guess if you're not familiar, he's a six-year senior. He's played four different positions at Notre Dame. He's made five different position switches. Um, he tore his ACL. He's been through a lot, basically. Um, and this, I was thinking about doing this for this segment prior to this tweet, but then Mike pulled this tweet up, which was a great idea. So kudos to you. But um, I, yeah, I asked both of them about him and they both just like raved about him. They had an offensive um, meeting the other day and they were talking about dependability. And the first person that Tommy Reese brought up was Avery Davis. Um, we I learned that from Marcus Freeman directly. And then I asked Reese about it on Saturday. So the next day, yeah. And Reese was like, I mean, you know, I could sit here and talk for hours about Davis and just like, it's, I mean, when you ask a coach, typically, like, especially at Notre Dame, they love all of the players and they love them on and off the field. But just the reaction that you get when they're talking about Davis, especially in this age where, like, Davis could have transferred pretty easily. He could have stopped playing football. He could have felt sorry for himself to a point where he quit and just thought this isn't working. Um, but he stuck it out, does whatever the team needs him to do. And I don't know. I just think he deserves recognition. So that was mine. But I've been calling him an NFL guy for a while. I think he's going to play in the NFL. And, I hope he uh, does. I thought he was great last year. Um, yeah, I mean, you think about like Reese brought it up. Whenever you ask him to do something, he does it. Like the the Clemson long pass, like that sent it into. I believe that was double overtime, not first overtime. But regardless, same point stands. Um, I don't know. I just guys, especially these days when it's so easy to transfer or quit or do whatever. I just I I commend him for sticking it out, especially when he was doing things that 
he didn't necessarily want to do. He was a high level elite 11 quarterback. And they're like, you're going to play running back and you're not going to see the field. And he's like, okay, I get like, I don't know. I could, I could talk about him forever. Like Tommy Reese, but um, any comments I mean, on that or you want to, to me, he seems like a, like a new England Patriots receiver that, you know, like you're, you're Julian. Yeah. Like he, that is him to me. Like plot. <laughs> Was, yeah, yeah, like he's just yeah. that kind of bring your lunch pail to work kind of guy. I, I don't know. I love every day. It's like uh, Ashton. He's probably the the easiest guy to root for on the team. But I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's kind yeah. Of I mean, I don't want to say that there's. I mean, I really can't think of anybody that's not pretty easy to root for. But when you when you watch Davis, just because of everything that he's been through, I think it's I think it's very easy. Yeah. I was going to say real quick, you mentioned uh, the Pats. I mean, the first thing I think about with Avery Davis is Matthew Slater with the Patriots, longtime special teamer, team captain for Belichick for a decade. That's a Avery Davis little comparable right there is type of a person he is, a leader he is, player, teammate, all those good uh, things that come with him. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Avery Davis, man, you're right. He's a guy who's played multiple positions, offense, defense, so – Kudos to him for coming back, and uh, hopefully he's off and running here pretty soon. Yeah, and then just lastly on him, I would say when they go through, like, the calisthenics and the stretching at the starts of these practices, they're typically in, like, 8 to 12-ish lines, and whoever's leading the line is typically a pretty good indicator of who might be named a captain or who at least is, like, in contention for it. And Davis is up there, and then on the offensive side, it's also been Patterson and Lug. So I know that because I was watching the offense the other day. The rest of them were defensive players. I admittedly don't remember all of them but um you can probably guess but yeah davis has been up there so i think he's pretty much a surefire captain especially after last year um so yep all right mike best thing you saw this week yeah i'm gonna have to agree with josh here josh says tim's the best dressed man in the <laughs> business so my best thing i saw was, was, was tim tim Hutt. no i'm kidding tim you are great <laughs> um but yeah i just i just like that comment though um, yeah, the best thing for me was um, Notre Dame number five in the coaches poll. Uh, I thought that was um, fairly interesting. Uh, let me read this tweet here from the Notre Dame football PR team. It's the highest preseason coaches poll ranking for Notre Dame since 2006 when Notre Dame was uh, number three heading into that season. Uh, also marks the fourth straight year the coaches pick Notre Dame in the top ten um, and that's the best streak since H straight from 89 to 96. That's pretty good, um, you know, run there, obviously. Um, Tim, I was just curious your your thoughts on the, um, you know, Notre Dame being number five. Is that too high or too low or, or just right for you? What do you think? Well, I mean, we'll find out around midnight on the third um, <laughs> where it goes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's – you know, it's funny. I was watching some of the other, you know, some shows on, you know, podcasts and things of that nature. You're talking about the preseason and, and, and whatnot. And the top three are the big three. And then after that, it's like flip a coin for the next six or seven. So I think Notre Dame's in that bunch. But it also, you know, being four years in a row in the top ten shows what Marcus Freeman's walking into. I mean, this is a program ready to roll, a lot of experience, a lot of really good football players all over the place. Sure, there's a few question marks, as we know, but – it's a great spot to go into, and uh, that game's going to be super hyped now. When you get two, two, you know, two top five programs going at it there in Columbus, that's going to be electric. And um, you know, it was exciting. It was exciting to see them, you know, that highly ranked. So I think this is a. I think Notre Dame's going to have a heck of a football team this year. So I expect them to win a lot of football games. 
yeah, obviously the coaches poll is fairly irrelevant um, because it means nothing for the college football playoff committee, but it, it does kind of like give, you know, it, it's something, it, it's something for us to pay attention to until that. And I think if the college football committee were saying that they weren't paying attention to the coaches poll before their rankings, I think they'd be lying, you know? So it, it kind of gives a, at least a benchmark. So I don't know. What do you, yeah, what do you, I'm kind of no, sorry. I interrupted you. No, I was I was giving it to you. So that's oh, okay. I was gonna say, um, Joe Bro just put this in the comments that shouldn't be shouldn't. I guess, I think that says it shouldn't be ranked until October. Like I, I assume that means anybody. I tend to agree with that. I don't think you really know until people get into conference play because. I mean, you have these marquee matchups, your Notre Dame, Ohio State, your Ohio State, Oregon last year, like take your pick of whatever Alabama, Texas this year. Um, but typically it's kind of one game and then a couple of fluff games. So I think it's hard to really determine exactly um, where anybody falls until you get into conference play. Um, that being said, Mike, to your point, I think the, I mean, the playoff committee does look at this and you'll see they do it with group of five teams. They'll they'll start them kind of low because the AP poll or the coaches poll hasn't quite caught on. And they kind of use that as a metric to not bump them up. And we can talk about whether or not that's fair or not. Um, but yeah, so no, I, I agree. And I, I think, I think five is probably about right. I don't know. I mean, Clemson, I believe is at four. I think Notre Dame and Clemson could be on this. If, if their offense clicks, they're going to be better than Notre Dame, but um, I think they could be on the same kind of playing field. I think, having Notre Dame obviously behind Alabama, Ohio state and Georgia's right. But if you told me Notre Dame was fifth versus eighth, I'd be like, sure. Sounds about right. I don't know. Again, I don't know how much this means. So anyways, I was about to say before we move yeah. on from the best thing, Jay chilling, great comment yeah. here. I mean, this was in consideration for me. It's, you know, he says the best thing I saw or funniest thing um, was watching the Notre Dame players doing karaoke skits, living on a prayer. So Bon Jovi was at Notre Dame's practice over the weekend, Sunday or something, Ashton? Yeah, so his son used to play for Notre Dame. His name is Jesse. Um, they came back. I don't know what the occasion was that they came back for, but they came yeah. back, hung out at practice. Um, but, yeah. And did you want to keep – I can explain. I, I mean, Steve Angeli, you know, maybe his, his quarterbacking <laughs> is better than his singing. Um Fair. But uh, Christian Gray, Notre Dame's cornerback, commit in the 23 oh class, he responded. And so funny. Wasn't that fantastic? Like, Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. If you haven't seen this, so basically, John Bon Jovi, I forget exactly what he said at the beginning, but he basically just handed it over to the Notre Dame football players, and they all sang Living on a Prayer, but they were they had headphones on. So there's no music playing, so they're singing a cappella, although they're listening to the music. But some of them are god-awful. Maris Leofel is actually pretty decent which is interesting. Um, but then Christian Gray, who's a 2023 cornerback commit responded with a like minute and 20 seconds of him just belting out living, living on a prayer in the back of his car. And it's hilarious. If you haven't watched it, look it up. I laughed out loud at it. Yeah. Mike just pulled it up. There you go. So yeah, Bon Jovi's just there at the beginning and then brings in a bunch of players. And I, th I thought what was kind of fun about this too, was it's not just your star player like you had Jaden Thomas yeah you had Jaden Thomas in there you had um Reno Monteforte I believe it's Forte not Forte but sorry um he's a he's a freshman walk-on long snapper like everybody got involved with this which was kind of fun I feel like fits with the spirit of what Notre Dame's trying to do social media wise um these days so yep all right 
On that note, we will move back to a little bit of fall camp football talk, I guess. So as you, as you know, and as um, if you joined late, obviously fall camp started on the 5th. So last Friday, in terms of what the media was allowed to see, we stayed for all of Friday practices was a little over two hours, I guess. Um, but we couldn't film after the first five periods, which is typically just stretching and position drills. Um, so the, the tape that we have is largely drills. There's not a lot. I don't think there's really anything that we're allowed to see from scrimmage that we're allowed to tape. Um, and then since then we could see, um, first five periods Saturday and Monday. So we actually literally got kicked out before they did anything from scrimmage. Um, but yeah, I, I can just, since I was present, I can kind of just talk about what it's been like. It's been hot as heck. Um, just absolutely everybody's just sweating profusely as you may have read on blueandgold.com. And if not, you should check it out. Blake Fisher and Zeke Carell had to leave a little early on Friday because of heat exhaust exhaustion, which, uh, Marcus Freeman kind of brought up in his inaugural press conference on Friday. It was just like these, these guys gotta be ready. Um, and that seemed, they seemed to hear the message loud and clear because to my knowledge, nobody has been pulled out for that reason since then. Um, but yeah, I can, I can throw it over to Tim. I know we're just going to kind of have a back and forth conversation here. Tim, you've watched a lot of the film and read a lot of the articles who stuck out to you initially. Well, for me, it's been, you know, just reading about it and hearing about Riley Mills. I know he was just a big, obviously he's played a lot the, his first two seasons, but you know, can he be a true, I mean, he's 290 pounds. Weighed yeah. in. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So can he be a true DN, dominate that? You know, he's going to be the wide side defensive end with Bosky playing the boundary in their, in their scheme, what they do. So the fact that he's having a nice early camp dominating the edge is, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply is huge for Notre Dame, especially going that big you know, first game where they have two massive tackles just like Notre Dame that does. So I think for me, it's been Mills just, you know, it's just opening up Bosky. Bosky's such a big, big part of this uh, team this year, just, you know, sacks and the pressures, getting him ready for the NFL. So that's been exciting. And then a couple of things on the freshman. Mickey is absolutely fast as could be. I mean, you know, some of the videos I've seen of him, he is way faster than I ever thought. He's allegedly the fastest defensive player on the team with the fastest offensive player being Tobias Merriweather. <laughs> I mean, seriously, some of his, I mean, just how quick Mickey is, 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 is nice. And uh, I'm a, you know, California guy. So him, and I got to go with his brethren, you know, junior Tuli Alamaka, who just keeps getting praise. I know Golden had a lot of great stuff to say about him and, uh, and the linebackers have as well. So uh, really excited for those two freshmen. It looks like they're going to play some this year, which is great. 
Yeah, and then on the offensive side of the ball, who's kind of stuck out to me, and I know Tim's a big fan too, but Audric Estime, the running back, basically, if you're not familiar with kind of who he is and his body type, he's 5'11 and 230 pounds. So he's your your goal line, Jerome Bettis-esque fullback body type, um, that sort of thing. But what we've learned in the last six or so months going back to the spring is he actually has really good hands and his footwork is really impressive. And we saw that on display again, this was Friday. So after we had to turn the cameras off, but we were allowed to watch, there were a couple of plays where I looked at Tyler Hork and my colleague, and I was like, I don't think he's like been stopped prior to like a seven yard gain on any of these carries. Like he is just, he's running over people because he has that body type, but he's also like his footwork's He's making people miss. He's, I don't believe I saw any passes thrown to him. Um, I could be wrong because I was, primarily watching the defense, but it was hard not to see Estime, um, Estime running. So uh, yeah, Milton fan said Estime is crazy footwork confirmed. He absolutely does. Um, yeah, there you go. Thank you, Beck. Um, yeah. So he stuck out to me as well as Tobias Merriweather on the offensive side, uh, wide receiver, obviously the only one that Notre Dame brought in, in the 2022 class, and they have eight scholarship wide receivers, including him. So um, Freeman kind of talked about this on Friday and Reese, I know has been impressed with him too, but we see a lot of him because we have to, because they only have eight scholarship wideouts. So mm-hmm. I think Freeman, and this wasn't like a, this wasn't a comment on Merriweather at all, but a lot of the media was asking about him and, and Freeman was like, yeah, you're seeing so much of him because we need him. Like we need bodies. Of course, Freeman then added, he's a freak athlete. He's super tall, super fast. Like I said, allegedly the fastest one on the team. Um, and he looks that part. That's not to say he's perfect by any means. I mean, he is a freshman. I know on, let's see, I believe it was Saturday morning. I watched um, Chancey Stuckey kind of coaching him up um, about tucking the ball and making sure that he's not kind of swinging it around because the Ohio State secondary is not going to let him swing it around. They're going to take it from him. So he's being coached properly, um, but he does look the part of your kind of twitchy boundary athletic receiver, I guess. Um, and I can open it up to Tim or Mike, if you guys have any comments, then we can talk some injuries and stuff too. As far as Merriweather goes, I, I, I think this is exa- like, I'm not surprised by any of this. Like this is yeah. exactly what I thought. I mean, I think he could be potentially a starting receiver for this team. Like if he came in the spring, you know, but I still believe he's going to have a sizable impact on the team this season. I, I, I really do. Um, so, yeah, Tim, what, what, what are your thoughts on what me and Ashley? No, no, I was going to say, I mean, you've been talking about Tobias, you know, for a year, Mike. So you've been on his, him and uh, chatting about him since he's committed, even before he committed. So it's having a great camp, which is awesome. And for me, you know, when we were talking before the show. Yeah. I mean, estimate was my pick just because, you know, we've, we've been talking so much recruiting and, 2023 all these 24 commits now flying through you know it's, sometimes you just forget about you know some of these youngsters especially the sophomore class because everyone wants to talk about the guys that are in which are the true freshmen but i went back and because i was watching him he's wearing number seven he does not look like jerome bettis <laughs> at all he's he's much okay. smaller thinned out everyone thinks you're right he's some goal line robert hughes get three yards and uh things of that nature i went back and rewatched his highlight film and it's like this dude's legit so he is his high school film. I forgot how good he was because you know, all we're doing is talking the future. And you go back and watch him. Everybody go, you know, you know, get on huddle and watch his 
highlight film. Well, we're watching it right. This is senior yeah. film right now. We're watching on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, just it's, he's going to be exciting. And I don't think he's just going to be a three yards, fall down, be a big lug whatsoever. The, the film and Ashton has seen him live. He's, he's a lot bigger, faster, stronger than, than I think anyone really believes. So that's exciting uh, moving forward. So I just want to note right now for YouTube audience, this clip of him running down the field, that's against Bergen Catholic. So this was like the first game of the the season, and um, and I'm like, who is this estimate cat? Because um, Bergen Catholic had Steve Angeli, you know, I, I was I was watching that game online, like who, you know, wanting to watch Angeli, and I'm not really paying attention when Angeli's not on the field because I don't have any reason to, but I'm seeing this number two run an 80 yard touch. Who the heck is this kid? Commit? He was committed to Michigan State. Notre Dame offered him like a week before signing day, was able to pull off the flip. Um, super Notre Dame fit. Um, a fantastic young man. Extremely bright. Um, what about this comparison? Jerome uh, – sorry, not Jerome Bettis. Leonard Fournette wearing the number seven. I saw a clip of him. I'm going to try to pull it up real quick, guys. Um, you tell me – you tell me he does not look – like um Leonard Fournette in this clip. Sorry, I don't know what you guys are seeing. I'm trying to pull this up real quick. We are seeing Drew Pine. Look at this beast. <laughs> I mean, that looks like Leonard Fournette to yeah, me. He's huge. Right? I, I mean, like that. I like that comparison there with the number seven. So that's I mean, yeah, he, I mean, look at him. He's 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 gonna be fun to watch when uh he's gonna be the number two going into biceps. He could crack yeah. my head. But yeah, if, if you aren't on Twitter, and it might be on Instagram too, but there have been a couple of estimate pictures that have come out that are just, you can't not notice just how absolutely massive he is. It's terrifying. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, everything that Tim said, I, I agree with. Um, but real quick on that, Ashley, yeah, that's the up? thing. We see the, you know, the pictures, him flexing and all that, and you just, oh, he's just a big, strong, brawny guy. And then you go watch his film, you're like, no, this dude's going to run you over and yeah. go fast. I mean, th that film Mike just popped on is is awesome to watch. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I guess I can, this is a decent segue because we're in the running back group. We can switch over to some injuries, maybe some return timelines really quickly that have come out. So, Logan Diggs is kind of the big one that everyone has been watching. If you're not familiar, Logan Diggs is a rising sophomore running back who tore the labrum in his shoulder during the spring game and had surgery immediately after, so late April. Um, obviously, that's better for a running back than a lower body injury, but he has been out for he was out for this um, out for a few weeks. I mean, I guess a couple of months during their spring, late spring, summer workouts. But um, he is back and he is playing. However, he is has been in a uh, red jersey the entire time, which is a non-factor. So that's what the quarterbacks wear. But it's just the quarterbacks and him in terms of who's wearing those red jerseys for information. But um, he looks pretty good, and I know that a lot of his um, he's he. I guess it's his trainer maybe putting the videos out, but he's been working on footwork a lot this, this off season. His footwork works really good because obviously that's like kind of all that he could do. Um, but he, yeah, largely he looks really good. His timeline originally that Marcus Freeman told um, Patrick Engel and Tyler Horka, my colleagues at blue and gold told them that he would be back um, late September ish. He might actually be back for Ohio state, but 
before you get super excited about that, if he did come back, it would be in a limited capacity. He is Marcus Freeman kind of characterized that he said full go with limited reps, which is a little bit oxymoron ish. Um, basically what they're doing is Freeman doesn't want to ask them to come out and give 85% on a rep. He wants them to give a hundred percent on a couple fewer reps, if that kind of makes sense, which I mean, I, I get that from a coach perspective. Like you don't want to ask your kids to go half in. Um, you just want to have them go hundred percent on three reps versus six reps. And um, so, yeah, and the reason why that's a, that's another good segue actually. So Logan Diggs, Maris Leofow, Joe Wilkins, those three are doing limited reps right now. So Leofow is a linebacker. Wilkins is a wide receiver. Wilkins will definitely be out against Ohio state. Um, while the other two could be in there, but again, probably in a more limited role, can't go zero to 100 really quickly. And then the other big injury thing was um, Joey Tonona, who was a 2022 offensive lineman. So he is a freshman. He enrolled early in January and he actually was in a car accident. Um, I believe it was in February, but somewhere in that timeline. And he had to medically retire because he's having a difficult time, which I mean, sucks for this kid, obviously, like you just got there and now you can't play. But as Freeman said, bright side, he's going to get a degree from Notre Dame. So if you want to kind of take a positive out of that, it's that. But yeah, just kind of, again, sucks for him because he was a high level recruit and showed up to play football in Notre Dame and isn't going to get that chance. But um, yeah, those are kind of my injury notes and what we got from that. I can turn it over. Tim or Mike, thoughts on any of any of those guys or what they do for their various position groups? Yeah, I, I just want to comment on the Tonona, and I'll throw it over to Hyde, the Tonona news. Um, yeah, the, the car accident was um, obviously a serious injury. I mean, he came in as, um, you know, on threes, number 63 overall player, number three interior offensive lineman. Um, yeah. You know, he was the first commit of the 2022 class in the summer before his junior year. Um, I went to see him play um, when he was a junior and he was playing center that game. Um, they had to, they had an injury or, or a COVID to the, their center was out to COVID. So Joey moved there. And I, I went to the Zionsville versus Avon game. So Blake Fisher was a senior and was playing a little bit of nose tackle and goal line situation. So I got to see jo Joey Tonona stand up Blake Fisher a few times. Like Tonona was not a big social media guy or anything like that. So he kind of flew under the radar, but man, one heck of a recruit. Um, you know, a fantastic young man to talk to, great family. Um, and then he misses the All-American Bowl due to COVID. Just like, man, this kid can't get a break. Yeah. And then, you know, the car accident, you know, is just awful news that, you know, he's never going to get to play football again. Um, I, I guess never say never, but, you know, at, at least at Notre Dame, his, his yeah. playing days are done. But he's the the kind of the silver lining here is that he's still has that full ride scholarship to Notre Dame. So he gets that Notre Dame degree. Well, I mean, what do we always talk about? Um, you know, if you were to get hurt, do you want to be at Notre Dame or big state you? And that's often like a, well, that would never happen to me. Well, it did in Joey Tonona's case. And he's got that Notre Dame degree that he can now go after in a full ride. So that's kind of like the feel good part of it, but man, does it, it, it you know, it, it's, it's just crappy news um, for Tonona and also the Notre Dame football team. Cause they're losing a really darn good player. I was just going to um, clarify because we got this question. We actually had this question, but 
to your point of never playing football again. So he cannot play football at Notre Dame. If he wants to transfer out and play elsewhere, he is technically allowed to under NCAA rules. Of course, I don't know his very personal health situation, but he is not allowed to play at Notre Dame anymore, but he could in theory play somewhere else. Should it be allowed, but um, allowed physically health wise, I guess. But um, yeah, we had that question. So I thought I'd address it really quickly too. Um, Tim, any thoughts on that or any of the other injuries? No, Mike said it perfect. I mean, it's just tough break. You know, there's been whispers, obviously, all spring. It was mentioned. It was even brought up in our in some of the chats that we did and stuff like that. Some of the live shows people would always ask, but no one ever really knew. So, stinks. I mean, yeah, the car wreck sounds horrible. He survived. You know, you know wish him well. He's going to get a great degree. So you can't beat that, like Mike said. And you know, it's been that's been Marcus Freeman's message, right? Football's going to end sometime. So where do you want to be as you guys were just talking as well? So it ended abruptly and way too soon, obviously, but uh, wish Joey all the best. And hopefully he stays at Notre Dame, gets a great degree, and he's going to have a heck of a life moving forward. So, you know, good luck. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll address uh, David Solomon. Why couldn't he medical redshirt? I admittedly don't exactly know. I know that, I, I say that he's allowed to play football again. I genuinely think that's probably not an option given how bad it was. That's my guess is again, that's a guess. And I want to make that clear. That's my guess as to why he didn't medical red shirt. Um, like he was, it was so bad. He like couldn't go to class and like being at practice and being around like loud music was like, not good. Like it was bad. So, um, Again, I'm I'm not a doctor nor an expert on the NCAA rules of medical retirement versus redshirting. However, that is kind of a little bit of my guess. Um, the one no. thing real quick on that, Ashton, I think Patrick talked about it, where if he did redshirt, he counts against the roster. And you know, That's, That is Dame, true. But I Notre think Dame if, if it was an option, I feel like Notre Dame would have yeah. found a way to get it. Like, I don't think it was just like, oh, we need a body. Like, we need to remove someone from the roster. Like, oh, you're going to retire. Like, I, I genuinely think that. He, he was incapable of playing and probably incapable of playing for yeah. a very long time. Yeah. Um, again, I don't know that for sure. So don't quote me on that, but that is my guess. Um, Milton fan with the super chat. So with these impressive recruiting classes, do you think the current staff has better success keeping talented players? Mike, I'll throw that to you. <laughs> all right. All right. Milton, appreciate the super chat. Um, I, I mean, the current staff, I, I mean, is full of just outstanding recruiters. I mean, you can't be on the staff and not value recruiting. Yeah. Um, I mean, so much of recruiting is just effort. Like you can not be a great recruiter, but if you at least just try really hard, you know, you're, you're going to be okay. I still, to this day, don't think Dell Alexander was as bad as everyone thinks he was he worked at recruiting. He just was not a he was he, like he's just not a like a great personality for Notre Dame to go recruit in Southern California um, and, and recruit a lot of those big time receivers. So, but with like to now answer your question, I mean some of it's just out of their control. I mean they have done. I mean they literally got Keon Keeley's commitment. They got Peyton Bowen's commitment. I mean, they got Devin Moore's commitment last year. Um, you know, Marion Walker. I mean, do those guys stick? Do they flip? Like, you know, some some of it's just out of their control. You know, like I, I don't want to say like NIL is a big factor because I don't I can't comment on the inner workings of 
that specifics of recruitment, but like Notre Dame is not going to be, you know, can I say Texas A&M, you know, and then I also like, there's just some things like you can be the, have the perfect recruiting approach, get a kid committed. And then he wants to stay close to home, be near his girlfriend. Like there's just some things you can't control. Um, so I, I hope that answers your question. Um, Milton fan, but um, I, they're, they're going to recruit better in my opinion. And I think we're already seeing that my sources in the Goog feel like this is Notre Dame's best class in a decade. And that 2013 class was, was really darn good. Um, it, I think this is, since I've been covering Notre Dame, this is the farthest the Irish have been having a top five class like this late in the recruiting cycle, if that makes sense. Typically they'll start off number one and then, you know, by, you know, as far as the fall, they're down to like eight or nine or something. They're still at number two per the on three consensus rankings. So um, recruiting is going to be better under Marcus Freeman, but keeping talented players, some, some of it's just out of their control. So Mike, I'll add Milton fan at just added there speaking of players. Yeah. Leaving for the transfer portal after a year. I mean, they're not real. Like when you kind of look at it, they didn't lose top players really this off season. I mean, you lost a couple of, I, I'm getting feedback on my side, so I don't know. I hope it's not. Oh, it, it sounds good on my end. Sorry, okay. sorry, Milton. I spent three minutes answering your question. It wasn't even the – I was answering No, but that's – I mean, that's a valid conversation topic too. But, um, they, I mean, they're, they're not really losing big-time players. They're losing third, fourth-string guys who I'll use Plumister as an example. Like, they're losing – and there's a little bit more to that story. But, like, they're, they're losing guys who are probably not going to get a lot of playing time. Um you think about like like Avery Davis, for example, he thought about leaving, either transferring, either transferring or retiring, and he wanted to come play for Marcus Freeman. So I guess it's from my point of view at least, it's kind of a little too early to tell, but it kind of seems like I mean, if, if you can talk about the current vibe around the program, plus you're bringing in CJ Carr, you're bringing in what we expect to probably be a top five class in 2023 ultimately. I think it certainly doesn't hurt. I don't know. Tim, do you want or, or Mike? Do you want to comment? Yeah, yeah. Let, let me throw it. Let me real quick, and I'll throw it to Tim. Uh, there's no one entering the portal, at least I can think of in the past couple of years. It's like, whoa, he entered the portal. Yeah. At, uh, uh, like other big time programs, yeah, there's that all the time. But with Notre Dame, it it's like, oh, this four string DB entered the portal. You know, it, it, I feel like there's not been big shocks. Yeah, it's not like Jameer Gibbs entering it at Georgia Tech where, like, he is their clear star and he wants to go play at Alabama. Like, you don't – and granted, obviously Notre Dame is closer to Alabama than Georgia Tech is. But that being said, you're not getting Michael Mayer trying to go play at Alabama. Like, you're you're not getting um, first or second string quarterbacks. You're not getting these high-level receivers that are like, oh, Saban's had so much, so much success at Alabama. I want to go play as a receiver in that offense. You're largely keeping your, your styles, your Colsey – um, yeah, so that's my thought. Tim, so I will... Milton fan says Jordan Johnson, but he, he, but he didn't pan out as a recruit. Like, I think he was over, sorry, Jordan Johnson, no offense, but I think that he was objectively overrated. Yeah. I don't know. Tim, thoughts? No, real quick. I mean, Jordan went through an entire season, an entire spring and can never crack the two deep. I mean, he was given a thousand yeah. opportunities, you know, to, to get on the field and didn't take advantage of them. So Heck, he's at what Central Florida, and he's played as much as us three combined. So, oh, you know, you know. so I mean, he hasn't. Sorry, Jordan Johnson. <laughs> but uh, real, quick, real quick on the question, the guys talking about transfers. I'm going to say, yeah, there are going to be some transfers moving forward because one thing 
this class is going to be a top five class when it's all said and done. And then you're going to have 2024 is going to be bigger and better. I truly believe. I really do think it's going to be a better class because history at Notre Dame, every single coach has had a better second class than he has a first class. I mean, Bob Davey had a top five class. Willingham's best class was his second class. Charlie Weiss had a string of what three or four straight top fours started with his second class. Lou Holtz had four straight number one classes started with his second class. So there's going to be some better football players coming in and going to Mike and Ashton. The guys that transferred this year were the bottom of the roster guys that, you know, Paul Mawala, for example, injured, just never caught on. Uh, the best player left was with George Takis, and he was still going to be the number two tight end as a fifth year senior. So, and he yeah. might have gotten jumped potentially, like, especially if especially if Mitch Evans didn't fracture his foot. Like that was yeah. very possible. Exactly. That's no disrespect to Takis, and I hope that he does well at Boston College. But his position, even as the number two tight end, was not final. No, exactly. I mean, they're not going to. I mean, Junior Tuliamak is not going to transfer because he's going to be playing a ton as a sophomore next year. So I think it's going to be constantly each and every year we're going to see ten guys transfer that are junior seniors because I think Freeman. He's going to recruit like a son of a gun and he's going to keep bringing in better football players and the bottom of that roster is just going to keep flushing out and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I feel like we talk a lot about the offensive line where you, you think, Oh, are these guys that are second or third string offensive linemen going to leave? And it's like, they might because they could start at a hundred of the 130 FBS school, like third string offensive linemen at Notre Dame can go start at X, Y, or Z still power five school. Like that's how good they are. So I mean, you can't really blame it. You can talk about, oh, they should say and be coached by Harry Heastan because he's Harry Heastan. And maybe some of them want to, but some of them just want to go play. And if you can play at a relatively high level, again, maybe not a national title contender, but if you can play to Power 5 school and get some NFL looks, like, I don't really blame you, frankly. <laughs> um, any other comments on that before we head into recruiting? Are we good? We're good? All right, before we hop into our last segment, which is recruiting related, make sure that if you are watching right now, hit the thumbs up on this video, subscribe to our channel as Mike just plugged on the screen. Also, if you're listening back via podcast, leave us a review, um, preferably five stars if you don't mind. We we love that. So, um, yep, James Lawrence Zinsi, I think that's, I, apologies if I did not pronounce your last name, but Dylan Gibbons left Notre Dame and started at Florida State. Good example. Thank you. Um, all right. Last he has a fifth year senior. So it's not, I mean, you know, he yeah. didn't leave as a sophomore. He's a that's fifth a year point. senior. You know, that's so a fair that's, point. A, that's a fair point. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Good point. Um, all right. Last segment has to do with Justin Scott, who, if you are unfamiliar with him, there are currently only three five-star recruits with on three. So that's not the on three consensus, just on three. And Justin Scott is one of those five. He is a lineman out of St. Ignatius, which is actually the alma mater of Patrick Engel from our site. Um, it's outside of Chicago up in, I believe it's in Evanston, but on the North shore of Chicago. Um, so yeah, he is the number three recruit according to on three in the country, top defensive lineman on three consensus. And Mike, pop this up on the screen for our, our YouTube audience, but on three consensus, which is the four different recruiting sites combined that average. He is the number 12 player overall and still number one defensive lineman. Um, again, both have, both have him as a top player in Illinois, but Mike, um, you talked to him after he visited for the barbecue recruiting barbecue a couple of weeks ago and subsequently put in a prediction for him to ultimately land at Notre Dame. Tell us why you felt that you could do that. <laughs> 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Tell you why. I mean, <laughs> I, I had a really good conversation with him about it, combined with talking to sources on the Irish side of things and, um, you know, the folks in, in, in that, uh, in those offices, you know, uh, seem to believe again, from what I'm told from sources that is that Notre Dame is the team to beat for him. And also like, St. Ignatius is a profile school for Notre Dame and it's in the backyard of Chicago. Can I call Chicago the backyard? It's an hour and a half, but you know, it, we'll call it the backyard. Um, yeah, it's the same area. It's close Pete Chivarelli, former Notre Dame um, linebacker and the manager of the Chicago band, rock band. Kind of the cool note there, um, you know, went to St. Ignatius um still very involved in that program so like there, there's just a lot kind of logically that says notre dame looks really good here um a, so, so the logic my conversation with scott and what i'm hearing from notre dame sources make me believe that uh this young man is trending towards the irish and um oh patrick angle obviously like you mentioned that's a that's a huge connection um I'm, I'm, that, I'm that's good. the primary reason actually yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we're good um but uh yeah so uh, it doesn't have like a traditional offer list for a you know number one overall defense alignment yet i think his top offer like notre dame michigan lsu but you know on three is not gonna rank a kid just because Oh, he's got 50 offers in all the sec he must be a five star like on three is gonna rank them based on what they see um, Notre Dame certainly thinks the world of them. And, um, Tim, I'm curious, what do you think? He's a, he's a space eater. I mean, that's, that's the first thing that pops out on film is his size. He's a, I mean, for Notre Dame people, he's like, what is he? A, he looks like a combination of Lewis Nix and Stefan Tuitt, you know, rolled into one. Uh, That'd be good. If he yeah, went to Notre Dame, exactly. it was a combination of those two. <laughs> you know, it might, take you, know, you know, real quick, you just mentioned LSU offered him and, and I instantly thought of Glenn Dorsey, who was, you know, there's their All-American defensive tackle, Lombardi Award winner, all those good things during their, what, I think their 07 title run when they beat Freeman and Freeman and the Buckeyes that year. Dominant inside football player. He quickly reminds me of him. And, um, you know, a couple of great Notre Dame players back in the heyday. You know, Trevor Laws was from, uh, you know, Minnesota, who dominated for Notre Dame. And he's got a lot of uh, Laws' thickness, size playing inside. So, Good football player, and you get a great Catholic League kid down the street there. And I love how we always say down the street in Chicago, but it really is. That is their background or their yeah. backyard there. So good football player. Big, big body. He's only going to get, you know, a lot stronger, obviously, as he, as he grows. But uh, he'd be a huge – going back to what I said a few minutes ago, this 2024 class is going to be dynamic with the commits they already have. And then you add a, a, a recruit like Scott into the mix inside, which Notre Dame does not get 300 pounders that come in and dominate on day one. So, you know, really exciting. So the listings on the on three profiles, we take those very seriously. We do not like, oh, someone says they're whatever. We like to very much verify 
This young man is listed at 6'5", 310 pounds, and he's going in his junior year, and Tim, he doesn't look like he carries any bad weight. No, I agree. The picture of him with the, you know, the golden throne. Yeah, I mean, he's good-looking guy. Looks great in the, in the pictures that he had at the, the barbecue on the unofficial there. No, I mean, just the way he runs, he's – I mean, he, he carries 300 pounds, you know, very nice and for a 6'5 guy and uh, – strong you know he's yeah he's just he's, he's gonna be exciting to watch and and i always go back when we it's when we talk these 2024 guys mike it's it's a sophomore it's like i've coached sophomores and this guy's a 15 year old guy making plays like this already it, it, it's exciting to see where he's going to be in the next few years because you know these kids going to just keep developing strength speed all those good things that come with it I was just going to say one final thing on him. I think it was maybe two weeks ago, a couple of live shows back. I made a comment about, oh, can Justin Scott play outside? Because I thought I heard that. And now that we're talking about how he doesn't carry any like extra weight, I think that's where I got it was watching this film and being like, he could maybe play defensive end because he just looks so, he looks like a very lean 310 pounds, which is an, speaking of oxymorons, it's probably an oxymoron. But like, he doesn't look as, Lewis Nix-esque. He looks to your point about a, a Lewis Nix, Stefan it hybrid sort of, I don't know. And again, I have since realized that I don't believe that he can play outside, but that's probably where I got that from. Um, yeah, he's, right. an all, he's all inside. Let him play yep. inside and just eat up blocks for all these fast, unbelievable linebackers that they're loading up with as well. So let yeah. those guys run. Yeah. Last thing. Yeah. There is like, let's talk about this. Notre Dame is in South Bend, Indiana. It has Correct. to repeat nationally. You, so when we call Chicago down the street back or whatever, and there are big time talents in Chicago that also go to a profile school with a famous alumni of that high school that also played for your football team. Like there's just so much that lines up here in Notre Dame. You got to go get this one. You know, like, like Jade Nosberry made so much sense for LSU, right? Goes to high school on LSU's campus dad played at LSU like all those things it's like LSU you got to go get this young man for and they weren't able to for Notre Dame you've got to get Justin Scott I mean you 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 pull out the stops you got to go get this young man real, real quick on that Mike 2024 is I mean there's a handful of Chicago guys that are elite correct as in past compared to past years yeah so Notre Dame's offered three players in the state of Illinois for 2024 class they've got Cam Williams committed the four-star receiver from um, Glenn Bard South and Glenn Ellen. Um, they've offered um, Scott, obviously, and then Marquise Lightfoot from Chicago Kenwood Academy is a, um, an edge in that class. So it's definitely a really good class, but only three offers um, so far in the area. Yeah. Those are Glenn Bard South is probably 15 minutes from St. Ignatius, too, if not closer. It's on the North Shore of Chicago. It's a little west yeah. there's probably somebody listening to this that lives on the north shore of chicago right now they can correct me but it's all the same general area um all right we will head into a couple of questions before we wrap up here so mike would you like to grab one or have me re read one out loud there we go yeah Good. Yep. Yes. Yep. Good. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. So um, David Solomon asked for our podcast audience. Jaden Thomas seems to be the real thing while it still is a question of whether Deion Colsey is or not. Um, that was phrased as a question, but I think that that is a statement is correct. <laughs> I know that what 
we've seen. So Thomas, I don't know his exact height. Um, maybe Mike, you can pull up his profile it's really quickly. Six one. Like, okay, six yeah, one, I was, was going to say six one, six two. Um, Colsey is six four. So body type wise, Colsey is your boundary guy. That being said, on Friday when we were able to watch part of the practice from scrimmage, it was Jaden Thomas that was the number one at the boundary. So. Do with that what you will. He was out on Saturday. I believe he was on the bike. I was primarily watching defense while Tyler Horka was watching offense, but I believe that was what he was doing. He was back yesterday, full uniform, not in a red jersey or anything. So I don't think there's anything to worry about there. But yeah, I mean, I think if you're talking like stock up, stock down, Jaden Thomas' stock is rising. Deion Colsey's stock is not. <laughs> um, and I don't, I'm hesitant to take, really like a practice and a half to judge Deion Colsey, but he just, frankly, like he looks a little bit less athletic, a little less twitchy kind of sort of, um, I'm not a, a wide receiver expert by any means, but that's kind of my initial, um, thought on him, I guess it does. That doesn't mean that Colsey can't break out. Like Notre Dame's had these boundary receivers that if like Javon McKinley, like his fourth or fifth year, like didn't really play at all until that, like, it's not, don't write Deion Colsey off, but Again, stock up, stock down. I think Jaden Thomas' stock is rising, even though he's not maybe your prototypical boundary receiver. Um, Tim, I don't know if you want to comment any further on that from what you've read or watched. Or my, I will if that's okay, real quick. So both yeah. of those guys, Georgia kids. So I covered them. Yeah, that's true. I know they're very well. Ash, and you you nailed it. Jaden Thomas was always very, t- very twitchy athlete, um, but he struggled with catching the ball cleanly. So if that's mm-hmm. something that he's added to his game and cleaned up his route running ability, um, there's a reason that Alabama and Georgia and Ohio state and all those big time schools offered him. Um, yeah. a fantastic athlete. Personally, personally, I thought he was going to be at safety at the next level, but it seems like he settled in pretty well at receiver. And again, safety, just because his body type, he is a little bit, he's six, one, probably what two or five, two ten. He's a thicker kid. Sounds right. Um, and, uh, yeah, just his size and athleticism in range and twitching. I thought he was going to be a safety, um, but seems to have settled in, um, at receiver pretty well and Colsey. Yeah. Bigger bodied, um, you know, faster than he is quick strider, all those kind of, um, typical, you know, things we would say about a boundary guy, but, um, once he gets it and, and, and really catches his stride, no pun intended, yeah, Deion Colsey will be a freak as well. No, I was going to say the same thing. Sometimes, you know, and it's a rush with Notre Dame this year because of the limited, you know, the numbers at wide receiver. We think everyone should be playing in that group. But, man, so yeah, I was on the message board today chatting with a couple of people about this. Like, sometimes just, just let a guy develop. Let a guy develop. He's yeah. been there one year. Let him develop. Some guys just need that a little extra seasoning. I mean, not everyone comes in and plays as a freshman or sophomore. It's It's rare. So let him develop, and he's got he's got so many skills. What is he, top 100 player? Something's going to happen. If not, these 23, these 24 guys with Cam Williams, they're all going to be flying in pretty soon and, and hit the ground running, and some of them may not pan out. So just take a pause sometimes and let these guys develop. And he's got a brand-new wide receiver coach. Let's see what he does with him. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, yep, all right, we will – well, actually, I'm going to make one quick comment on Jaden Thomas. He was a the special teams player of the day yesterday for Notre Dame. So he's also making an impact in that respect. Um, all right, back to recruiting for this last question here. So Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker. Interesting. <laughs> I'd love to know more about that. Um, <laughs> he asked, are we out for Ronan Hannafin? We offered a three-star wide receiver today. 
Um, Mike, any update on that situation? I'll just turn it over to you immediately. Does Josh kind of look like Ian Book. Yes, he does. Here? I thought about that. Yes, Josh, you do look like Ian Book. <laughs> At least you do in the picture, bro. Um, I mean, are they out for Rowan and Hannafin? If, if he commits to Clemson, I would say yes. Um, so we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Offered three-star receiver. Let me pull up Lions film real What quick. was his first name again? Sorry. Tayshon. Tayshon, yes. Tayshon. Um, I'll say while you're pulling that up, um, Greg Fulmong, who does some videos for Our Sports Daily, posted a clip of him earlier. And his route running abilities, oh my God. Yeah. They are wild. Like, yeah. I was, and again, I'm not going to act like I'm like a route running expert by any means, but I like, my jaw was on the floor, just like how quick and like how he's making guys, like defenders are like falling over trying to keep up with him. Yeah. Um, I'll pass it back. Tim or Mike, if you want to comment. Yeah, he's a he's a really good player. Someone who the staff's been keeping an eye on for a while. On three actually is very high on him. So go ahead and screenshot this. It's a fair so point. You'll see 24-7 rivals. Go ahead and bump them eventually. Bump this young man eventually. ESPN probably will, you know, in three years when it's too late. But yeah, on three loves him. Top 200 player nationally, top 30 receiver. Um yeah, six two hundred sixty-five. He's lean, but yeah, he's he's very good receiver. Washington is considered the team to beat right now, but guys, I'm just gonna say read Lucky Charms tonight for uh, for folks. One dollar for one year, blue and gold. I, I will say the on three numbers at 28. Mike and I have talked about this a hundred times. Notre Dame always has great success with these receivers between the 25s and 35s in the position groups. Go back and look, everybody, where a lot of the wide receivers Notre Dame has had that are playing in the NFL, they're all ranked in that similar mold. So. He's a good football player. I watched his film today. You're right. Outstanding route running. He's just not a speed guy just going to run vertical. He's running outs, cuts, all kinds of good stuff on his film. Some quick screens, breaking tackles. Uh, he, he's a lot faster than I expected watching him when you see him not ranked by anybody other than on three. So he's, he's a solid football player. Absolutely. Um, all right. We're actually, we'll take this one more question. So Antoine Colbert, Cuth Cuthbertson, sorry. Um, asks any additional updated news on Kenny Minchie beyond the offer. So if you are unfamiliar, Kenny Minchie is committed to Pitt right now in Notre Dame. He's a quarterback. Notre Dame offered him last, is it last week, Mike? My, all my days are messed up in my head. I have literally no idea what day it is or when things happened. It was about a week ago ish, two weeks ago, something like yeah. that. Yeah, so you can see podcast audience. Um, Mike just popped his profile up on the screen. So four-star recruit, which is just inside of that four-star mark, um, ranked number 394 nationally, 21st quarterback, according to consensus. On three is a little higher. So two, 276 nationally, number 14 quarterback. He's out of um, Pope John Paul II in Tennessee, which is actually where Golden Tate went to high school. Um, Mike, I will turn it over to you for any additional insight, if there is any. Um, not, not a ton right now. Notre no. Dame's working on him, and this was to be expected, uh, unless the kid like grew up dreaming to go of Notre Dame. The, the expectation was that August is a dead period. He's not going to be able to visit. And when I say dead period, it's just no face to face contact between the coaches and the, and the recruits. Right. So Notre Dame's playing the long game here. They're also talking to other quarterbacks. Like the, the board is, I, I would say it is uh, fairly wide open. So nothing really new there, but I think, um, one good way to, um, in the show is is just mentioned Josh. Josh says he's better looking than Ian. Um, no, no. So no offense, to Ian Book. If you're watching this Ian Book, um, sorry. <laughs> All right. 
On that note, we will wrap up here. Um, as always, make sure before you hop off, you hit the thumbs up, subscribe. And Mike talked about this too, um, his Lucky Charms piece and just also all of our premium content is on blueandgold.com. It is just a dollar for a year. So make sure you take advantage of that before it goes away. Um, check all that out. We'll have some additional fall camp updates. We won't have access to a full practice for a little while, but um, you can still you can still glean some stuff from what we're writing, um, having three to four people at practice, depending on the day. And then also, oh, good call, Mike. Mike just popped up on the screen. We still have issues of our uh, football preview magazine available. So this has kind of like the encyclopedia for Notre Dame football. Um, I know Tim refers to it as his yearbook. It's literally anything and everything you want to know about the team, uh, feature-wise, roster-wise, position, depth chart-wise, all of that stuff. Um, you can head to, I believe it is, yeah, blueandgoldonline.com. Blue gold, sorry, bluegoldonline.com. Um, and you can get a copy for just $14.95. So make sure you do that and make sure you sign up for our web stuff. And we will be back next week. Have a good one.